Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. All right. I, I want us to be excited about what God has for us. It's going to be awesome. Um, we're we're, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 again. So if you want to grab your Bibles and turn there. Um, as you're turning there, I just want to continue to set the stage and, 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 and I want us to see the journey that we have that we have walked through to get to the point we are right now. We started with an understanding that humanity was born to live in the freedom, in live in it, exist within the freedom that God had created for us. And at some point, humanity looked God in the eye and said, that's not for me. I want to live freely. And then as humankind took that journey, we took that journey, we ran from the Lord, and we ran to sin. But then Christ, through His death, and He had to die, didn't He? Christ in His death provided a platform for us to be able to have our sin reconciled and justified so that we might come back to Him. So that we could return to living within that freedom. And what you guys in these rocks, in these baskets, under this cross, this didn't save you. If, if you have whatever sin it is, what like pick a sin, pick a good one, right? and you and and you and you're like God, the sin's in my hand, and I'm putting it on the rock, and then it's going in the basket. That didn't save you. This is symbolism. When 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 you are are going to go home, and whatever thing you put in that basket starts to tempt you again, you can visually, and you can you can with 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 smells and with taste and touch and all of your senses, you did something experiential. And you said, no, I'm putting that thing at the foot of the cross. And when that pop-up hits your phone, or that person texts you, or fill in the blank, whatever your struggle is, when you come home and, and, and that thing is in the pantry that you really want to just completely devour, whatever, whatever your sin is, you can remember, no, I put that at the foot of the cross. And it is from this point here that we're going to read Hebrews chapter 10. From, from the standpoint of us being reconciled to Jesus. So I want to start here by saying this. If you're in here and you know that you need to make a decision of faith for Jesus Christ and you have not yet, you haven't gotten to a point in the weekend where you've survived the conviction and you get to go home and forget about it. Like I know that happening in your heart is uncomfortable. I know that that conviction thing that you have going on in your heart is uncomfortable. I get it. I don't like it either if I'm being 100% honest with you. But don't reject it. Handle it. And it is with that that we jump right into Hebrews chapter 10. We are going to explore the next step. Because God doesn't just give us this box of freedom to live in where we just bounce off the walls and we go, yeah, oh my goodness, I want to sing another worship song, right? 
It's, it's not just camp all the time. It's not just winter meltdown all the time. God has called us to something. He gives us these mountaintop moments so that we're able to go on and do what he has called us and he has designed us to do. I am so excited. Are you guys excited? Nice, because you're going to go home, and it's going to be awesome. Man, cool. Hebrews chapter 10, we've got it up on the screen for you. We're going to start with verse 19, and it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies Washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That in a nutshell, is the beginning. It's the start of a life that started with sin, and in the middle, it had an interlude where you um, accepted Christ, and then you go forth and you do what God has called you to do. Because I want to tell you something, um, River Valley Ranch, the forgiveness that we have gives us confidence Let's go back to verse 19 for a second. Verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers, since we have the confidence, if you are the type to underline and write in your Bible, which, by the way, I highly recommend, all right? My personal Bible, the one that I keep at home that I read in the morning, you can't even read the book of Jonah anymore because it's got so many underlines and highlights and circles and so on and so forth. I want you to underline confidence because God has given us a confidence before him. We, we can enter his throne room. We have the ability to enter into the throne room of the almighty, the perfect, and the holy God. We have the ability to do that. We, we, have, we have access to God. And what's cool is that we're told how we have access to God. I, I am someone who is, who is, who is genuinely, like my, my natural inclination is, is to feel like kind of like weird and, and, and unworthy. Like I'm always unsure of myself. When I'm in a situation, I'm always kind of unsure of like if I'm supposed to be there. And and there's this group of people who I really, really, really love, and I know that they love me, and I know that I'm being weird and just like I'm in my own head, but, but, but when I was at camp with them a couple of years ago, I knew that I was a part of the group, and I was a part of the in crowd, and I knew that mentally, but in my heart, I always kind of felt like I, like I didn't have any friends. Maybe, maybe you can relate with that. 
And, and, and it, sometimes I almost felt like I really, really wanted someone to go out of their way to invite me so that I would have confidence to be in the room. What's great is that as a Christian, when you are trying to go before the throne of God in prayer, in worship with song, in, 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 in anything that you do, when you're trying to exalt the Lord through your actions, and you feel really, really uncomfortable because you wonder if you're supposed to be there, or you wonder if something's broken, or maybe God doesn't want you, or maybe whatever, fill in the blank, whatever crazy thought comes across your head. You can go back to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, because it says that we have confidence, and then it qualifies that by saying the thing that gave us that confidence is the blood of Jesus. When you go backstage at a concert, you're allowed there because you have a pass. Funnily enough, I, I had this like weird thing where I was really fascinated with like traveling by, by plane and things like that. And at this one point, I got this, I got this credit card with this crazy, crazy, crazy high annual fee. But my, my justification for paying that crazy annual fee on this credit card was that when I do fly, and I was kind of in this season of life where I was going a couple of different places a, a year, and when I do fly with this credit card, I don't have to pay for lunch at the airport. And if you've ever paid for lunch at the airport, it makes going to a theme park look cheap. So I'm like, well, every time I go to the airport with me and my wife and my, and my kid, like I'm paying like 50 bucks and... You know, the annual fee is this much, and this is how many times I'm in the airport, whatever, whatever. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get the credit card. And I get all like a bunch of benefits and perks and whatever, whatever, whatever. And so when you get to the airport and you flash this credit card, they're like, okay, this way, Mr. Trinkle, right? And you go into this lounge with like free food and crazy chairs, and some of these lounges have a masseuse, and you can just go back there and they'll give you a massage for free. And I was surrounded by people who have so much money, they probably have toilet paper made out of 20s. And I'm like a youth pastor who like has to decide what's coming out of his checking account first, rent or car payment, because like either way I'm screwed, right? And and like I didn't feel out of place there, A, because I struggle with pride and arrogance, but B, because I had a pass. Guys, you have a pass to go into the throne room. It's the blood of Jesus. You're covered by his blood. It's that easy. And we don't have to talk about that anymore. Because it's that easy. We only have this confidence through the blood of Jesus, not because of anything you did. Somewhere else in Scripture, Paul says that I can't boast because of what I've done. I boast because of what Jesus has done. I am a wretch. I am a wretch. I am a miserable person. I was born broken. I've done things that are... Ugh. But I know I'm going to be in heaven because I am saved by the blood of Christ. And I can go into His throne room and I can sit at His feet and I can say, Jesus, I need You. Heal my heart. Or Jesus, I need You. Encourage me. Please, Lord. Or Jesus... What do you want me to do next? And that is what's described. That, that process of being able to go to the throne room 
and get direction and comfort and healing from God Almighty Himself. That and us knowing where we stand with the Lord is, is the definition of grace. Because without Jesus, you don't know where you stand with God. Because you don't know who God is and you're not able to fully come into His throne room because you are not holy and He is holy. And that is what grace is. Grace is you being able to say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know where I stand with God and I stand redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is grace. And then, that's verse 19. And then there's verse 20. And what verse 20 says is by the new and living way that He opened through us, opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. You know what's so cool about the curtain? Here, let me tell you this. So, this is so cool. The book of Hebrews was written to a Jewish community, which means that the people in this community grew up under the Jewish law. And in the Jewish community in the temple, there was this curtain. And this curtain separated the rest of the temple from the place where God would literally come down and physically sit amongst the people. There's a curtain that separated it because God cannot be with sin, and sin is not compatible with God. It's so different. It's literally like you grabbing your friend's Android charger and trying to jam it into your iPhone. It's going to break something. It doesn't work. And when Jesus died, Scripture says that that curtain tore in two from top to bottom. And what provided the splitting of that curtain was Jesus' flesh. RVR, I want you to go home with this imprinted on your hearts. Because of Jesus' death, we have a new way of living. The old way of living is us waking up in the morning and going, okay, what do I want? Hmm, I want a toaster strudel. I want, um, I, 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 want, I'm go- I want to get a good grade on this test, but I don't want to study, so I will cheat. Um, I, I really, um, you know, I, I want some comfort and, and I want some, I want to feel good. So, so I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And then um, after that, I, uh, I'm going to skip class and then um, I'm, I'm going to beat the smell out of my brother. And then um, I'm going to go to bed and play Xbox and eat Cheetos and wake up in the morning and rinse and repeat. That's the old way of living. The new way of living is waking up in the morning and the first thing you grab is your Bible and you get at the feet of Jesus and like, hey God, what's up with today? Thinking about all of the things that you have on your docket for that day and exalting God because He's given you the ability to go take that test. He's given you the ability to love your brother. He's given you the ability to make healthy choices when it comes to how you eat. He's given you the ability to resist lust and temptation. He's given you the ability to say no to whatever sin is the sin that is built in. He's given you the ability to do all of those things. And that sounds really, really easy. And that sounds like really cool and, and positive and, and, and whatever and what have you. But it's really hard in practice sometimes. That's why Paul, as that verse continues, says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. 
One of the best movies ever that I don't recommend you go home and watch because I don't remember the whole content of the movie. There's this really great movie called Master and Commander. And it's such a long movie, too. Gosh, like it's like a commitment watching this thing. But in the movie, it's, 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 it's like 1700s British Navy, right? In the movie, they come to a point where there's a really bad storm. And storms on a boat are not great. And this isn't even like, this boat's made out of wood, all right? This thing is a glorified collection of pencils floating on water. And this huge storm is coming. And everyone's really, really nervous. And all through the movie, you keep getting introduced to all these crazy characters because the British Navy in the 1700s would take people that could fog a mirror. Like, this guy, he's, at some point, he's had his tongue cut out for whatever reason, which is a mess, and he doesn't speak, and everyone's terrified. And one of the characters that you're more intimately following as the movie progresses, he looks over to the crazy old guy that doesn't speak, and the crazy old guy that doesn't speak is holding on for dear life to a rope. And this dude has tattooed on his fingers, hold fast. Because he's like, I'm holding on to this rope, and I'm going to be fine. That's such good imagery for us as, as Christians. Because life gets really, really complicated. Like, as we walk through our Christian life, we will have to handle some crazy things with our friends, with, with, with our lives, with our, with our maybe potential future spouses. Like life, you know, people have this idea that when they enter into life as a Christian, God will give them this whitewashed version of life that's just all just roses and fairies, and that's just not reality. And I thought, well, like even, I'm going to be honest, I kind of think I, I, was, I convinced myself that, that I was going to be able to go through life kind of like all like, you know, sunshine and roses, because like not only did I believe in Jesus, but like I was serving Jesus, so like it was going to be nice. But that's not what happened. I mean, like, I love Jesus to death, and like, oh my goodness, like, glory be to God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Like, I exalt Him for what He has done and what He is doing. But I'm not saying that life's not difficult. I've experienced loss that doesn't make sense. I've experienced friends who've experienced loss that doesn't make sense. I've had friends call me and, and, and confess things that, have been detrimental to their marriage that they've had to walk through. And, and all through all of that, we need to hold on to this passage that we find in Hebrews chapter 10. Don't give up. This is just the beginning of your life in Christ. And this is, and this is, this is a moment in your life where you are about to happen upon the precipice of adulthood where you're going to be thrust out into the world to do what God has designed you to do whatever that is, which by the way, don't stress about that. What God's called you to do is a lot less like a bullseye and a lot more like, a, like anything inside this circle's good. So just be faithful to serve Him and do things that you believe you've been designed to do, and then God will literally work the rest out. God is too sovereign for you to be able to mess up His plan. 
So don't be like, oh man, if I had gone to Cedarville instead of Liberty, maybe like, I don't know. It's not that deep, all right? And I believe that the enemy allows us to waste time spinning our wheels trying to figure out if, if we should take Theology 101 or, or Bible Studies 101, okay? You're going you're gonna to be fine. Don't give up. So now, Paul, the, the, the author of this, of this passage kind of leaves us at an impasse right here where, where, where impasse is the wrong word, but, but where, where we're here and we're not giving up and we can go to the throne in confidence, which is really cool. We have at this point taken care of us. It's almost like on your notes, you could draw a line down the middle and on one side say us and on the other line say how I should respond to the world. We in our own selves should go to the throne in confidence. We should not give up and we should know that our confidence does not come from our works. We can't work our way into salvation, but our confidence comes from what Jesus has done. That's us. And I should have thought about the line thing before I got up here because it's really cool. Like, that's us, right? And then there's how we should respond. I want to give you guys some quick truth that might be really hard for you to digest, but I need you to digest it because the health of your Christian walk and the, and the eternity of the people that surround you depend on it. Let's hit verse 24. And it says, let us consider... And it says, and, so do that, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider, let us think about, let us meditate on, let us consider, devote brain power to. Do you understand? Like, we need to consider how to stir up one another. Look to the person to your left and to your right. If they're a part of your local church community or your community of believers, it is your responsibility to give thought process to how to stir that person up to love and good works. You know what's really cool about the word stir up? If you go back to the original language here, because the book of Hebrews was written in the language of Koine Greek. It wasn't written in English or Latin or whatever. Koine Greek. The phrase that is used to designate stir up is a similar phraseology that is used when Paul and Barnabas split from each other. It is a similar phraseology to what is used to making people really angry and annoying them. It is a similar phraseology used to I have to kick my horse to get it to run. It is okay to poke each other. Poke each other, please. It is okay when your friend hasn't been to youth group in a couple of weeks for you to call them and say, guess what? I'm coming to your house. I'm going to hold down the horn of my car until you come out dressed 
so that we can go to church. Get your butt back in church. It's okay to say that. Hebrews says that. It is okay for you when you see that your friend is looking at pornography on their phone over and over and over again. It is okay for you to go to Walmart, buy them a flip phone, hand it to them, and say, this is what you get now. We need to get that clean. The Bible says that we need to cut out our eye if it causes us to sin. Your phone's causing you to sin. Put that jank away. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say to your friend who reads those weird love novels, stop it. It's okay to say that. Some of these things might come off as funny, but these are the things that are currently in our world that are ruining our lives. They are removing us from the throne room that we're allowed to be in in confidence, yet we run away from the glory of God for this other crap. Poke each other. Do it in love, certainly. And everyone's meant for somebody else when it comes to poking them. Just recently, my brother, this, this, there have been people in my life who God has called me to poke spiritually. And there are people in my life that he has not called me to poke spiritually, even though I wanted to. It is your responsibility as a Christian, as a follower of the Almighty God, to go into his throne room and consider if that is something he actually wants you to do. And I say that because a lot of churches have split because people have this weird self-righteous whatever in their heart, and they feel like this verse applies to that situation. And it doesn't always. The, 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 the Christian responsibility of spurring someone towards love and good works is not one to be taken lightly. So consider it, pray about it, and, 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 and it, frankly, at your age, you need to bring a leader in on it so that they can guide you. I had a youth pastor friend tell me that he had a couple students in his, in his youth group ready to exercise church discipline on one of the other boys in their youth group. That's not for you guys, Okay. Like, bring some adults in on that, all right? It ended up being a funny story because it didn't happen, but, like, it could have been really uncomfortable for everybody. Poke each other. It's good for you. That verse, can we throw that verse back up there? That verse then goes on to say in verse 25, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So, you know what's really interesting? To be able to encourage one another and to be able to poke people the way that you're called to in verse 24, you're only able to do that if you're together a lot. It's really hard to call someone and say, hey, get your life click. Or, hey, how come you haven't been click? Like, your friends can leave you on red. Doesn't hurt them none. I mean, heck, they can block you. They can get a new phone number. They can go to a flip phone themselves to escape you. To be able to encourage one another and to be encouraged, you have to be together. If you're in the room today and you suffer with social anxiety and it gets worse the longer you're apart from the people that love you, you need to know that that's your battleground and you need to make a commitment in your heart to go every single week so that that 
battleground does not have any credence in your heart. If you're someone who's like kind of like off, off the mind, off the heart, like, you know, if I'm not around, I don't really think about it. You need to know that that is your battleground and you need to make sure that your feet are under that seat in church every single week that you can get there because you know that that's your battleground and two weeks becomes three and three weeks becomes a year. And you need to pick people in your life that can poke you to come back because you need to be together. You need it. You need it. You need it. You need to be in a church church setting. And here's the problem. Churches are messy and gross and they hurt people sometimes because when you get a whole bunch of redeemed sinners in a room, it's going to be messy. So like, yes, your church may have hurt you. You know, the Bible actually has a prescription for that. It's in Matthew 18. No matter how bad they've hurt you, and by the way, I've, I've experienced church hurt. I'm, I'm really sorry. It's awful. I had to live in some lady's garage for a year because of some people that did stuff to my dad. I get it. I did my senior year of high school not living with my parents because my parents had to move somewhere else for work, and I couldn't move again in my heart. I couldn't do it. So I stayed in the same neighborhood as that man that did that thing to my dad. I get it. It sucks. But Scripture doesn't say meet together as long as everyone's getting along. It says meet together and encourage one another. You need it. And then finally... As, as we leave each other this morning, serve each other. Serve over sin. You want to serve each other over sin. Quickly flip to Galatians 5. Can you put Galatians 5 up there for me? Thank you. You were called to freedom, brothers, but do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You guys have been given this freedom that you can work within and you can do things and you can be yourself and, and you can float through and you can do what God's called you to do and you can bounce around and it's awesome and it's good and woo, 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 this is awesome. Woohoo! Don't use that as an opportunity to do whatever it is that you want and give back into the flesh. A really good example for me personally with that, a part, of my, a part of my food addiction really, really rooted itself in sugar. Sugar made me better. And I would get really stressed and anxious at work, and then I would walk up the street to Wawa, and I would get myself two one-liter bottles of Coke. I was drinking gallons of Coca-Cola a day at one point. I started hiding them from my wife. I started making sure that I was ordering extra during youth events so that there would be some left over in the church fridge. Like, it was really, really bad. And then it came a point where my wife sent me to the store, and I bought a soda in such a way that she wouldn't have known about it unless I told her, and I'm slamming it in the parking lot so I can throw it away in the parking lot trash can so she won't see the cup in our trash can at home. And I realized, that's a mess. And I'm, like, trying to figure out how I'm going to confess this to my wife, but spin it in such a way that we won't have an argument. 
And I come home and I'm like, hey, look, I had a soda, but look, look, I really, I did some business with it in my heart. I'm not going to have any for two months. I'm going to go on a soda fast. And then a month in, when my mind was clear from not just all that sugar I was consuming, I realized that I was surviving on it. The last time that I had a sip of soda was January 6, 2020. Now, I will, I will give you a caveat. I ordered a club soda one time at a restaurant, and she gave me Sprite, and, and then I like, but I gave that to the Lord because that wasn't my fault, all right? I could have gotten a cherry Coke last night, and it would have been within my freedom to do so. But Paul says that he will not be beholden to anything. I am not going to be beholden to anything. So even though the bubbles go nice with the grease of that pizza that we experienced last night in the, in the snack bar, like it didn't, not for me. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh to serve yourself, but use your freedom as an opportunity to go out and serve one another. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.